uh, the presence of a lot of orange shirts and uh, a lot of tees uh, for, uh, for Tennessee that are uh, all over the, the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, truly that was a, uh, a very good game, and all of the rejoicing that came out of it was pretty, um, was, was, I, I guess is something that I don't know that I have ever really experienced that. But uh, after the game was over, I walked out on my back porch, I don't know if any of you did this, I walked out on my back porch and I could hear people yelling and celebrating in the distance. Um, I'm, I'm quite sure that, that's, that I've never had anything like that happen before. And then, of course, uh, like the rest of you, I looked on Facebook and saw videos. I saw several, several of your uh, videos of you celebrating and things like that. And, of course, we're definitely happy for, for all of you Vol fans. So I say that this morning uh, because I feel like the Lord said something that I, I, to me last night. He spoke to my heart last night, and I wanted to share it with you. There is a comparison that is made in Scripture between, uh, between human rejoicing and celebration and between divine rejoicing and celebration. Uh, y'all probably remember the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. Uh, both of those talk about how there is human rejoicing over something, kind of like the celebration that we saw last night. But what the Scripture says is that there is more rejoicing in heaven. Think about that. This is God rejoicing. This is divine, heavenly rejoicing. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. I thought, man, that's, that's pretty good. If we as human beings can find joy and celebration in trivial, simple things in this life, like a football game, imagine, imagine how intensely God rejoices over sinners who repent. And so that just, that just hit me, and I wanted, to, I, wanted to sh- I wanted to share that with you this morning. Very excited. We're going to take the Lord's Supper today. I try to do that at the conclusion of every, uh, every series or at the beginning of a new series, usually at the end of a series, because I feel like that as we work through the Word of God, when we take a section of God's Word, and as we work through it, we hear things that are often repeated because um, the writers of Scripture, and we see Scripture repeats itself a lot, and it could be that there's some Something that has been going on in your life that God has been repeating to you as a result uh, as a result of us going through the book of First John together. And my prayer, my genuine prayer, is that if as we've been in this series entitled Assured, that you have found assurance in your faith, that you have found assurance that you genuinely know Jesus as Savior. I believe this is a good exercise that often we should reflect upon our relationship with Jesus and at the very least remember uh, the day that we were saved and rejoice in the fact that we have salvation. But if any of you had doubts, if any of you had questions, I hope that by going through 1 John, I hope that you have been uh, been able to work through those things. And uh, I pointed out at the beginning of this series that there were certain, I call them assurances or recognizable characteristics that we can see in a person who genuinely knows Jesus. And I identified about 19 of them in the book of 1 John. I haven't really packaged and thrown all of them at you. I've combined some of them. But these are some of the things that we looked at. These are recognizable characteristics, identifiable characteristics of someone who genuinely knows Jesus. 
Jesus. And uh, hopefully, as you have kind of taken these and you've kind of looked in the mirror and you've analyzed your own life and thought about, hey, do these things do these things exist in me? Have they existed in me? Do I have a desire for these things to be true about me? Hopefully, as you've done that, you've seen these things in you and in your life, and they have given you that assurance. That's at least my prayer. Uh, and speaking of prayer, I want to talk about this last one today. I want to talk about answered prayer. I had a sermon, I guess, a year and a half ago, a year ago, two years ago, I can't remember, whenever I preached through the book of, I believe it was the book of John, and uh, I, I talked about answered prayer and how important it was. We're going to look at answered prayer today because I, I'm just not sure there's anything more assuring than to have God speak to us and to have God answer us. For us to ask God something or pray something to God and then, and then God to answer that prayer. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty reassuring thing. It's a pretty reassuring uh, thing that, ca- that can help us. I mean, God communicating with you, you communicate with God and then God communicating with you, that builds an incredible amount of faith. And I often tell people who struggle with their salvation, listen, there's a prayer that God will answer. Just ask Him if you're saved. If you want to know whether you're saved or not, just ask God, and He'll answer that prayer. He'll show you, He'll speak to you, and He'll let you know. Because you see, lost people can't pray. Now think about that for a moment. Lost people can't pray. And by that, I don't mean that they can't sling words at God. Obviously, anybody can do that. Anybody can speak words at God. But lost people cannot successfully pray. Lost people cannot have a flourishing prayer life. Lost people, uh, lost people can't, I guess here's the way I said. Lost people can't pray properly in a way that God consistently answers them. This is something that only a Christian can do. Uh, What first must happen is if a person doesn't know Jesus as Savior, the first prayer that God is likely to answer in in, in their life is a prayer for salvation, is a prayer to know Jesus. And that's, that's obviously what we want someone who has prayerlessness or who doesn't know Jesus. We want them to first pray that. That opens the door to communication between us and God. Now, there may be a lot of things that can clog up that communication between us and the Lord after we pray a prayer of salvation. But the door is open to communication with God only after we pray, well, I guess what you, you and I would call the sinner's prayer, or the Scripture says calling upon the name of Jesus, only after we're born again are the floodgates of prayer opened up and the door open. And so we're going to read uh, about answered prayer today. How many of you want your prayers answered? Anybody want to pray and talk to God and be answered? I mean, silly question, right? Everybody wants their prayers to be answered. I think there's a secret to that that we're going to look at today. And so stand with me as we read 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 through 20. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to be able to get through this whole sermon. Uh, or just, I'm just not going to be able to make it. But we'll, we're, going to, we're, going to go ahead and, um, uh, we're going to go ahead and read through the end of the chapter. Here's verse 13, theme verse of this series 
theme verse of the entire book of 1 John. We've read, uh, I've, I've made mention to this verse pretty much every sermon throughout this series. John says the whole reason that he's writing, he's writing to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And look, and this is, um, and, and this is what he says in verse 14. And this is the confidence. How many of you want to have confidence in prayer? And this is the confidence that we have towards Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I don't say one should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin. But there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on, keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for the book of 1 John. Lord, I pray that Your people have just cherished it. I pray that they have hung on every word as we have read it together this past several weeks, six weeks or so, eight weeks. Lord, I pray that um, all of us would have assurance in our relationship with you. Teach us today, God. Teach us today how to talk to you. Teach us today about answered prayer. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So, prayer. Prayer is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm just going to tell you, my goal is to not make you feel guilty. I often feel like every time I talk about prayer that God's people feel guilty because none of us feels like we pray enough. I, I doubt if I was to ask for a raise of hands, if I were to say, how many of you feel like that you have a sufficient prayer life, I dare say that nobody in here would say, oh yeah, I have a perfect prayer life. My prayer life is exactly how it needs to be. I pray plenty. I don't know that I've ever heard a Christian say that. I don't know that I've ever heard a Christian say, oh, I, I, I pray enough. All of us know we need to pray more. So my goal is not for us to feel guilty because we don't pray. I really just have two goals. Really just, just two simple goals. Uh, my first goal is to help you to see that if your life is and always has been completely prayerless, that maybe it is that you don't know the Lord. If you have never encountered the Lord, not even one time in prayer, not even once have you communicated with God and God communicated with you. If you were totally prayerless, my hope is that today you would pray a prayer that would change your life. That you would pray a prayer calling upon Jesus, asking Him to save you. A beautiful prayer of repentance and confession. Um, repenting of your sin, confessing Jesus, placing faith in Him, and calling upon Jesus to save you. That's really the, 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 the main goal 
that I have today. But number two is also to help us to communicate and pray more effectively. And that's where this outline that I've given you on your bulletin comes in. I really believe that the things that I'm going to share with you today, if I myself would practice them better, and if you would practice them, if we would all learn to practice what the Word of God tells us about prayer, that we would have a more effective prayer life. And so really on the back of your bulletin, I have three points. The first one's going to go quick. It's praying with confidence. The second one is really the vast majority is really going to be the the rest of the sermon, and that's praying God's will. And the third one, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to get to today. I wasn't able to get to it in the the first service, and I'm just going to have to postpone that um, until a later date. The first thing I want to point out is is how our prayer life should feel. And I know that's kind of subjective. But how should our prayer life feel? What should, we, what should we feel like whenever we go before the Lord? And I believe that the Bible shows that we should pray with confidence. We should learn to pray with confidence. We should be able to say, I can go boldly before the throne of God. God accepts me. I can speak to Him. He speaks to me. I want you to have this confidence as you go before the Lord, knowing that He welcomes you, knowing that He hears you, and listen, knowing that He desires to answer you. Do you know God wants to answer your prayers? He wants to. He wants you to pray in a way that will lead to Him answering your prayer and increasing the connection that you have with Him. God wants that. He desires that. And he wants you to have that kind of confidence whenever you go before him and whenever you talk to him. Uh, Sometimes we feel awkward when we talk to people, right? Sometimes we'll go up to someone and maybe we're intimidated. Maybe we don't trust them. Uh, Maybe we just don't know them very well. Maybe we don't really understand what they're saying. There's sometimes this awkwardness, this lack of confidence that we have whenever we communicate with people. That is not how God wants your prayer life to be. God wants you to have a freedom of speech whenever you talk to Him. That's what confidence means, by the way. Confidence literally means a freedom of speech, that you're just able to go to the Lord, to speak to Him, to talk to Him, have confidence that He's going to accept you, welcome you, hear you, and that He wants to answer you. And so the question is, how do we get there? And if there is one principle, one principle of prayer that I could reiterate to you, that the Word of God repeats over and over and over again, like a drumbeat that never stops, when prayer is mentioned, we almost always see the priority that we should be praying God's will. This is the one thing that I believe that will accelerate our prayer lives. Not praying with eloquent words or empty phrases. Not learning how to pray long prayers. Not learning how to pray deep theological prayers, although there's nothing wrong with that. But the the whole point of being successful in prayer and finding confidence that we see over and over and over again is that God hears 
And God responds to prayers that are prayed according to his will. And uh, John didn't come up with this in 1 John. 1 John is at the end of, at the end of the New Testament. We see this all throughout the New Testament. It says, ask anything. Now, if we stopped right there, we'd be in trouble. This does not mean that God's going to give us anything. It doesn't mean ask anything, period. It's ask anything according to his will, according to what he wants and not according to what we want. And the Bible says that when we ask according to his will, that he hears us, that he answers us, and that we're going to have the request that we ask of him. Jesus told us to pray this way. Jesus said in the model prayer, which some, some of us call the Lord's Prayer, in the model prayer, Jesus said to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus told us to pray that way, to, pr to pray the model prayer. Jesus also personally prayed this way. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus was in the garden. And he said, Lord, if this cup can pass for me, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus told us to pray that way. Jesus personally prayed that way. And if we, listen, if we don't pray according to the will of God, we are not praying correctly. This has to do with the contents of our prayer, not the eloquence. The contents of our prayer must be correct or we can't expect an answer. God's not going to answer any prayer just because we say in Jesus' name. God's not going to answer it that way. We have to pray the right thing. Unless you pray the right thing, you can't pray with confidence. You can't pray with confidence that God's going to answer. No matter how much you try to drum it up inside of you, I know the Lord's going to answer this prayer. I'm just going to pray it over and over and over and over. We have to pray the right things. And the way that we do that is we pray in Jesus' name. That's what, these, that's what these verses are about, are praying in Jesus' name name. Y'all remember those old bracelets? Some of you are too young to remember this. Remember those old bracelets that well, people used to wear around that said WWJD, what would Jesus do? And the whole premise was when you're struggling with the decision or you don't know which way to go, just ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? Well, what if we said, what would Jesus pray? What would Jesus pray? If Jesus was in the situation that I'm in, if Jesus was faced with the struggles in the what would Jesus pray? What would he ask God for? And this is the way that we discover what God's will is, is we pray in the name of Jesus. He told us to do that. He said, ask in my name. He said, ask anything in my name. He said, ask whatever you wish, as long as it's my words abide in you. He says, whatever you ask in my Father's name, I'll give to you. He says, over and over and over. He says, ask in my name. And so that begs the question, uh, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? If praying in Jesus' name is the way that we discover God's will, then we have to understand that praying in Jesus' name has to do with the content of our prayer, not with the conclusion. 
How many of you, whenever you pray, you're in, you end your prayer by saying, in Jesus' name? I do it all the time. Every time you hear me pray, you, uh, you probably hear me say that, in Jesus' name. Nothing wrong with that. It's totally appropriate. Um, but that's not fully what it means to pray in Jesus' name. If praying in Jesus' name has to do with the content of the prayer itself, not a tagline at the end, a conclusion where you have a verbal incantation. That's, that's, that's not what it means. You don't just pray anything that you want. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray whatever I want to pray, and at the end, I'm going to quote this phrase in Jesus' name, and that means that I'm going to get whatever it is. No, it has to do with the whole content of the prayer. In fact, I could make the case that you can pray in Jesus' name without even ending your prayer by saying in Jesus' name. Because it has to do with the contents. And here's, what it, here's, here's the simplest way I can describe it. Praying in Jesus' name means that if Jesus was in the exact same place that I'm in right now, and if he came and took over my prayer, that his prayers would be identical in content to mine. In other words, praying in Jesus' name is praying what Jesus would pray. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus never prayed a prayer that God didn't hear and that God didn't answer. Jesus had a perfect prayer life. So if I'm going to model how I pray, if I'm going to ma- model what I pray, then it would make total sense that I ask myself, well, I need to pray the prayer that Jesus would pray. I need to pray in Jesus' name, not in my own name, but in Jesus' name. This is the single biggest mistake we make in prayer. The single biggest mistake, listen, the single biggest mistake we make in prayer is we pray what we want rather than what God wants. That is the single biggest mistake that we make. It's one of the reasons that we don't feel like our prayers are heard. It's one of the reasons we don't feel like our prayers are answered. It's one of the reasons that we don't feel connected to God whenever we pray is because we're not really praying in Jesus' name. We're not praying according to God's will. We're praying according to our will. We're not praying in faith. We're praying by sight. We're praying for the things that we see or the things that we want to see rather than praying for the things that God sees and asking God to do what he wants to do anyway and probably what he's going to do anyway. Why not just join him in a joyful relationship by praying in Jesus' name and somehow forgetting what we want and just saying with Jesus, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'll give you an example today. I'll try to go through this quick. Um, but uh, old Peter, I always think about Peter. Y'all remember that passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 16? In verse 21 uh, of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said some things to his disciples. Jesus told his disciples, he said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. Okay, he told them 
many times that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to suffer, that he was going to be killed, and that he was going to be raised from the dead. Now, how would you feel if you were a disciple and that was said to you? How would you feel if you were a disciple? You had been with Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was perfect. He was preaching, and people were coming from everywhere. He was performing miracles. People were being healed. People were being fed. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus came up to you, and he said, you know what? All of this is about to change. I mean, they're going to come and they're going to get me and they're going to kill me and they're going to crucify me and uh, on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. What kind of prayer would you pray after if you were in that situation? Now, here's what would kind of be like a, a, a human prayer. Here's, it would be an example of a human prayer. We would go to the Lord and say, Lord, I heard what Jesus said, uh, but God, protect him from these Pharisees. Lord, deliver him from those evil pagan Romans. God, he doesn't deserve this. Protect him. Deliver him. Give us the strength. In fact, God, why don't you help us to take over the government? Put Jesus on a throne in Jerusalem. Let's kick out these Romans, these pagans uh, who worship idols. Let's kick them out and let Jesus have a throne. And we can, all of us, us 12 disciples, we can have thrones next to him, God. We can, we can, we can take over the government. We can pass laws that will make this, this, this world and this nation righteous. That might have been a man-focused prayer. And Peter might, Peter might had prayed something like that because what he said next in the next verse, in verse 20, Peter took him aside and said, no, this is not going to happen. This is never going to happen to you. He's probably thinking, man, i got a sword. I'll, I'll chop a brother's ear off. I mean, he was, he, was, he was ready to fight, wasn't he? He was ready to do anything to keep this unjust thing from happening. But Peter couldn't have that prayer that I just Peter Peter couldn't have prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. And Jesus, matter of fact, Jesus rebuked him for it. He rebuked him for what he was feeling. He turned aside to Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance for me. Because you know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about, and you 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 pray about what you think about, right? He was thinking about, had his didn't have his mind on the things of God. He wasn't thinking about God's will and what God wanted to do. He said, you're just, you're just thinking about the things of man. I wonder if Jesus could have prayed something like this. Excuse me. I wonder, if, I wonder if Peter could have prayed something like this if his mind would have been different. If he would have said, Lord, give Jesus the strength as he faces the cross. God, I trust that you are wise and that you know what is best. God, perform a miracle through this horrible death that Jesus will face. God, use this event to gain glory for yourself. God, bring salvation to many as a result of the cross. God, give me the strength to personally endure this hardship. And God, whenever I mess up, restore me to yourself. And God, help me to be a leader among your people after I'm humbled. You might would say... <laughs> Well, how could Peter have possibly known to pray that type of prayer? It's very simple. Jesus, has already told, Jesus had already told him all that. Jesus had already told him all of that. Peter just hadn't been, been listening. He didn't have his mind 
on the things that Jesus had told him. He didn't have his mind on the things of God. He had his mind on the things of man. And so you can imagine, and again, in my imagination, what Peter would have prayed, and he got rebuked by Jesus. I want you to think, I want you to think about what you pray for. Do you ask for what you want? Or do you ask for what God wants? Or do you even ask God that question? Do you even say, Lord, here's, here, here's, here's where we are, here's where I am. God, what do you want? What's your will? you even pray that way? Or do you just have your mind on the things of man? Do you only think about what you want? Or, here's a good one, do you tell God what you think would be a good idea in this situation? I mean, come on. How many of you do that? Lord, I know what would be great here. I know what would be perfect. Lord, I got it. Just do this, and it'll, it'll, I'm telling, do this in Jesus' name. I mean, how many, of us, how many of us come up with ideas for God and what we think He should do to resolve whatever situation that it might be in? But what if we just yielded in faith and said, you know what, God? You're in charge. You're infinitely wise. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know everything. You have all power. What's your will, God? Show me what it is that you want to do in my situation. What if we pray that way? And then what if God showed us what his will was? Then we would have something to pray. We would have the content of a prayer that we could pray in Jesus' name according to his will. And God would answer and we would feel close to him and we would have confidence before him. Here's some principles. I don't, I don't have time to get through this either. Here's some, here's some principles of prayer. I'll just give them to you right quick. Um, some things that I think will help you, and I, I won't have time to comment on them. Listen to God before you ask of God by meditating on His Word. I mean, that makes sense. If we want to know God's will, we read the Word, we listen to God. He tells us who He is and what He wants to do. And then we pray it back to him. Here's, here's another one. Uh, learn about God before you ask of God. That uh, makes sense too. Just learn who God is. Learn the type of person that he is. Read his word. Understand his character. Understand what he's revealed in his word. Then ask of God. Express your thoughts and emotions to God. Sometimes you say, I just I don't know what to pray. I don't know what God's will is. Then just tell God how you feel. God is not scared of your doubts. He's not scared of your concerns. He's not scared of your anger, of your worry. He wants to hear any joy. That you, he wants, God cares about how you feel. And you may say, well, that might be all I have because I, I, don't, I don't know what to pray in this situation. Just say it. Just say that to God. Say, Lord, I'm confused. Say, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Say, God, I don't know what your will is. Just, just express yourself to God. Or you can use the model prayer as a guide. You see, the model prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer, is not a prayer to be repeated. It's a prayer that is supposed to guide the content of our prayer. If you pray the model prayer and you pray it correctly, then the contents of your prayer will be according to God's will, and you can pray it in Jesus' name. And listen, when God reveals His will, pray it with confidence. Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened, and you will find. I mean, when we know what God's will is, we ask it, and we pray it with confidence. 
y'all, I just don't have time today to talk about intercessory prayer. I knew it whenever I prepared this sermon. I said to myself, there's no way I'm going to get to that third point. So I'm going to save that. I'll, just, I'll, I'll make that into a separate sermon and preach it at some point on a Sunday morning or maybe a Sunday night or maybe a Wednesday night or something like that. But intercessory prayer, praying for other people. There's a way that we should do that other than just saying, Lord, bless them. God, give them traveling mercies. I mean, there's other things that we can pray for people that the Word of God uh, gives to us, and we'll talk about that uh, later. I'm sorry. I, matter of fact, y'all, I'll just tell you, some of the verses that I can't get to today, they're pretty complicated. They're pretty complicated, and so uh, we'd, be here until, uh, we'd be here until 1230 or 1. How many of you want to be here until 1230 or 1? If we get a majority, if we get a majority, then I'm oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, okay. Let's uh, let, let me just let me just give you just the last slide for the the, the very last slide um, that I have for you today. Here's a a prayer that God will answer, a prayer that God will answer. This is a prayer that God will always answer. You don't ever have to worry about this. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11 verse, 11 verse 13 uses this comparison of how parents or how fathers provide for their children whenever they're hungry and he says how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Uh, you, you, you can be close to God. You can have the Spirit of God. You can know Jesus as your Savior. You can have the Spirit of God living inside of you if you truly want that. If you truly want that, if you truly want the presence of God in your life, if you truly desire to be saved, uh, the Bible says that all we have to do is just ask. And so as we start to transition now uh, to take the Lord's Supper together, um, I want to I encourage you to maybe uh, think about the things that you need to pray before God. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, uh, this is just the time for you to call upon His name. It's a prayer that I know that God will answer. If you truly mean it in your heart, and if the Holy Spirit is at work in you, the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But there may be some other things that maybe this series has kind of dislodged in your heart that's, that's, that, that, you need to, that you need to pray about and think about. At the very least, uh, the Bible tells us to confess any sin that we might have in our life before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And so um, I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, just to spend about 30 seconds uh, in silence. So I'm going to ask uh, our deacons to go ahead and come forward and uh, Andy and our instrumentalists to go ahead and come up. And then I'm going to ask all of you just to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I'm just going to ask you uh, to talk to the Lord and just to speak to Him before you partake of the Lord's Supper.